Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. All right, well, yeah, good morning, man. You know, Bam got some tears this morning. I definitely had some tears the other day with him on the phone. It turned into a therapy session. We were talking about this stuff. And so, man, just some, just some, some good things here, like some peace about um, just this day and just the, the time that we're in at the moment, you know. Um, so good stuff there. Um, all right, well, let, let's do this. We're going to read this word. We're in Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 3. This is verses 1 through 13. We'll continue chapter 3 next week, but um, this is kind of the first part. So we got um, Paul here writing to, uh, to the church of Ephesus, right? And uh, Paul was a Jewish religious leader. He killed Christians for a time. This is a real thing. Then he's transformed by Jesus. He's a new man. And he's built in, in character and stature and he's learned to write the longest sentences that any one man can write. It's like, it's like all of Ephesians, particularly. I mean, this is 13 verses, two sentences. There's commas for days. I, like, I can't write like this. It's hard to even read. All right, but we're going to do that. So we got Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. So, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to to me for you, how that by revelation he may known to be the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There's no Jesus there, just Christ, just King. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom... We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, tears, uh, both tears of, of just a heart moved by you, tears of happiness. There's a lot of joy and, and things coming about here, Lord, and... Um, And we love you. We thank you. We see a lot of mystery here. So, Lord, unveil these things to us. Um, Bring us good comfort today, Lord. And we love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, so um, in preparing for this, um, 
you know, I just kind of found myself in, in three, three sections, if you will, three uh, more so agenda items, right? I, there's a part of me that refuses to be any type of like a three-point preacher, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, <laughs> the three points, if you're taking notes, <laughs> salvation, sanctification, sacrilegiousness, uh, no, nothing like that. All right, just, just, just three items which I hope, you know, we kind of tie together well here. So these three items, just what we read a lot of, we see mystery here a lot. So one item, the mystery of old, right? What are these things we're looking at here? Which there's not a lot of mystery to it because Paul is actually unveiling it to us as he's speaking, like as he's writing. So the mysteries of old. And then we have the riches of Jesus. Um, you see up here the unsearchable riches of Christ and eternal purpose. Like, what are these things together here? And then the third thing is, what do these other items have to do with the mysteries of today? All right, what mysteries are we going after today? So Paul's writing about uh, the Gentiles, basically people not Jewish, right? That they have stake in this God that the Jews have been so you know, I would say faithfully, but we know there's, you know, some of us know there's different history here, but, you know, this is supposed to be the God of the Jews. But now this is being cast out to basically the world. This is for everyone, right? That they're fellow heirs of the same body, partakers in God's promises, these promises, these covenants that he's made um, through his son and through this good news, right? And he also writes about the fellowship of the mystery, right? So not only are the Gentiles invited to the party, right? They, they get to commune with the Jews. Like, this is, a, this is everyone's here now, right? Um, no more division. This is something even Bam talked about last week of, uh, in chapter 2. It talks about how, um, you know, Jesus is kind of breaking a bar- barrier between Jew and Gentile. And then even to expound on that, there's a barrier broken between humanity and its creator, right? Creation and its creator, all of this united together, um, King, Je- you know, with King Jesus here, King Yeshua. I'm gonna try and use the term Yeshua a little bit today. This this would have been his more, more formal Hebrew name. Let's try and give, try and give respect, put some respect on it. So Paul's uh, revelatory knowledge derives uh, from the Spirit, who Paul mentions in verse five is uh, also revealing to the holy apostles and prophets at this time. So a couple notes here, right? This is important. One, revelation of the Lord is not isolated to one person. And I think that's important to note that even if we get some revelation or or we feel something, this urge or whatever this push is, we're we're not necessarily alone. might feel like that at a time, but this is dropping. If it's a movement from God, it's dropping here and there. Um, Same thing at this time. And secondly, it's because this would have been really big news. For us, we're looking at this like, I mean, I don't know who is Jewish here. If I really trace my lineage back, I'm in that Jewish land a little bit, but I'm probably not Jewish. So the point is, we're here now talking about this, right? There's something to be said. But at the time, this would have been more and more a big deal. Again, this is the God of the Israelites. This is the God of the Jews. They even put Jesus on the cross. They put him on the cross and they put up their king of the Jews. Right? Not king of everyone else, king of the Jews. And that may have been mocking, that may have been whatever it is, but they put it on there nonetheless. But now, what we're talking about, he's the God of all. 
of all. Now, look, I, I will, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say that he's always been the God of all. This is the thing, right? He's always been the God of all. But, but let's be clear. We know how cultural biases work. We even live in that today. This is where I have a subliminal message for everyone, right? We know how these things work, that um, these powers that be, right? These powers that be, the, the governments that we're about um, or under, even ourselves, we fight tooth and nail. We put out these policies. We put out these rules. You know, it goes on and it goes on. And all of this, just to make sure that not everyone is included. This is, this is what we do. So what happens? So God himself comes down to our little earth, and he gets his hands dirty, just like us, right? He probably grew up just like us. We hear about it was just Christmas. We hear about the storage of Jesus being in the manger, right? He's born in, in this certain time, but, but he was born here, right? He's born here on earth. He's human like us. He's divine, but he's man as well. So he's growing up just like we grow up with running noses and, you know, freaking out all the time. And he gets a little older, and he's probably his body and his mind is developing. And so he's developing an attitude, right? But he gets even older, and he's learning to work with his hands. We know him to be a carpenter, if you will, right? And he, he's a contributing member to society, as they say. He's working. He's paying taxes. Again, this is a man. Let's keep in mind, this is a divine man, but a man nonetheless. Along the way, maybe he developed a bias or two. He didn't always see eye to eye with people. And we'll, we'll come back to that bias statement because I hope that stuck out to you. And you're like, no, no, not Jesus. But he's also learning, he's, ultimately he's learning how to deal with what's around him, what he's in proximity with, what his emotions are, how he feels about that. He's learning how to love. He's learning how to love his family and his friends, right, these people close to him. <laughs> and most importantly, I, I hope that he learned comedic timing. One thing that I cannot see in my mind is that the creator of all things come down to earth just to have a dry sense of humor. It just, it, it, it just can't be real. You know what I'm saying? He's funny. He's funny. All right, let me get back to the bias thing because I, I want to point this out, not to really hammer home a point, but we're talking about, again, the creator of all existence, supposed to be walking to earth in a man, in, in man's body, having biases. So I'm going to flash forward to, uh, or turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Okay. So there's this woman that comes to Jesus. And she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. They're like, this Get this woman out of here. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember these Israelites now, what we're calling Jewish people. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, Great is your faith, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. So credit to this woman for not giving up, first and foremost. That's a, that's a side note of side notes. But what, do we, what, what has happened in the real time here? Jesus is pressing through 
a bit of a, a mystery that, that is yet to be unveiled even in this time, right? And he's pressing through this to see with this faith here, the faith that he has in the Father and then the faith that she has in him to ultimately unveil this grace and truth to all. Those, at, again, not Jewish, right? Not, not the Israelite. Through all of this, all these things we mentioned, right? He's growing up. He's figuring out his proximity to people and how he feels about this. Again, this is, this is real-time things that are happening. Through all of this, he's prevailing. He knows that there's a purpose out there. He understands there's a richness to be had in this life. And he presses on with faith in his Father, with strength from the Spirit. Just, just, and he does all this, get this, just so the world can hang him and watch him die. Just so they can hang him and watch him die. And then what happens? Then he, he visits death. He visits and defeats whatever the depths of death are. Right? This is the story that we know, right? He goes and he's gone for three days. But what happens? He comes back to life. Right? So he goes through all of that. He's trying to fill this out just for the world to send him, send him away so he can come by, <laughs> come back to do what? to set the record straight that all are included. Everyone is included in this. And it fast forwards to what Paul is writing here, that this mystery is being unveiled, that this is not just for the Jew anymore. This is for the Gentile. And here we are sitting around talking about this a couple thousand years later. So let's also let the record show we all have our own decisions to make in this, right? It is for all, but we all have to figure out what this means to us. We have to figure out what, what this God means to us, um, how gracious is he really, what he can, what he cannot do for us, um, how much he should or even wants to be a part of our lives. And as I said before, you know, he, he's alive. So my, my response to that is, why don't you go ask him? Right? What's he mean to you? Go and talk to him. He's alive. He's out here moving to and fro, coming to impart our hearts, coming to get to know us. So, what are these unsearchable riches of Yeshua? I would say that what we see here is we see a creator making a lot of strangely unique, beautiful individuals who are meant to pursue that abundance, pursue that abundance of just that, that we are strangely unique, that we are beautiful, that we do have these depths of things that are worth going after. These are these riches, because we see that that's what he was doing. And we'll get a little bit more into that, because I don't want to just keep generically saying, like, he was doing this stuff. We'll keep, we'll go back to some more scripture here and, and let, that un, let that come about. But not only are we looking to uh, live in abundant self, right? But this is so that we can be a part of each other, so that we're refining ourselves day in and day out day in and day out, so that we find that, oh, we actually do fit together, right? We're not only in this party together, but we actually, like, coincide. We actually maybe see, you know, eye to eye, or we at least learn how to work with each other, even if we don't quite see that way. These are the manifold wisdom of, wisdoms of God being made known to us, like in verse 10, and um, all of this previously hidden knowledge of this time is our eternal purpose, which in verse 11 
is accomplished by Jesus. I would say that this is leaving us in a state of accomplishment, right? We're post these times. Jesus has come and, and set something in motion here, and we're a part of that. We're now living in this accomplishment. Um, Paul's speaking a lot on this revelation, and what's consistent is his credence to Jesus by way of the Father joined in the Spirit, and particularly in this accomplishment of Jesus, right? He, 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 he's always circling back to this accomplishment of Jesus. So what, what do we know? I think a lot of times, you know what I've noticed over, over time is that there's a lot of, well, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you, right? Well, he, he's also living for me right now, too. And I would say that this, this is a stretch. So I'm taking a little creative liberty here and to just make statements. So you can come at me later and tell me I'm blaspheming or you can judge me secretly somewhere else. To me, the salvation part is just the beginning, right? Jesus, Jesus dying and coming back to life if anything, was the key that unlocked this accomplishment that had already been taking place so that we can now live in this. Because we don't get to just die and resurrect like, like all the time. We wake, we wake up and eat breakfast and have to go look at people and probably go to work, some of us, and I think we, maybe we all go to work. And we, we have to interact with people. Like, th- th- there's something going on right here, right now. We just don't float away into a magical land somewhere. Now, maybe we will down the road. Maybe there's more there. We'll let God figure that out. He said he's got a lot of rooms in his mansion. You may have read that verse. He's like, I'm going to prepare a way. You can come too. So there's a lot out there, but we're here right now. I'm staring at you. You're staring at me. We got to figure this out right here. And Jesus accomplished these things, right, so that we can live on um, and do this. He brought purpose and intention in the ways that we treat, respond, and even save each other in union with spirit and truth. As I said, Jesus said some things. He was about some things. He did die. He did rise. And he brought permanence to those things that that he said and did. And our living is a pursuit of these moments of, a, of accomplishment so that word and deed can take place. Words meant from the creator and deeds derived from that same son of accomplishment. So real quick, so what, what did Jesus do? I got a few here. There's a whole lot. There's a, the, the Bible, there's, <laughs> there's a lot. So I'm going to take all the liberty and pull out three few sentences and say, here's, here's what he did. But there's a lot there. Okay, here's Jesus as a divine man. Okay, here's Jesus as a divine man. And it's not all there. I'm going to expound on that a little bit. But John chapter 8, this is one of my favorite stories, is the woman caught in adultery. Do do we know this story? Okay. So uh, early in the morning, he came to the temple, um, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I didn't put all the rest on there, but right after that they say, The law says we should stone her. They are literally going to kill this woman. They will do it. And they will be justified and fine with that action. So Jesus is doing his thing in, in, you know, lack of a a better terminology. He's standing here just like this. 
and all the people busting in, all the important people busting in with this woman. So in real time, he's got to respond to this. And, and we, we may know how the story goes. He turns and he's like, you know, those who are without sin cast the first stone, and, and there's a bit of conviction, and people walk away. What does he do? What, what happened here? He saved her life. Eventually he goes and says, I don't accuse you either. Now go and sin no more, right? She's, she's worthy of death here, according to these people. But he's saying, nah, she's all right. Like, this stuff is, 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 is for us to, to live and, and to, to work through, not, not just to cast away and send away. But again, a man in real time dealing with these emotions right here, saving lives just by standing in that gap. He's accomplishing things right here. This is real accomplishment. Luke 19, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree. This is like the, the, the Sunday school stories of stories. Zacchaeus, a small man, a tax collector, not seen highly right. We don't like tax collectors, keep in mind. We don't like to pay taxes. They liked it even less back in this time because it is like people get classified as sinners and tax collectors. You'll see that in scripture. It's like they are an evil of their own. But Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Maybe he robbed some people, who knows? But what happens here, right? Jesus sees him, he says, come down, um, and, and Jesus tells him, hey, I'm going to eat in your house today. So, so Zacchaeus comes down, and he's so moved by the fact that this God, this man, would just come and want to eat with him. A man despised, right? This seems to be like a small proximity culture where people are looking right at their tax collector. We don't see our government. We just get mad at some big organization out there who just keeps taking more and more of our money, especially in Cook County. How much do we get taxed here? A lot. Imagine it's the same thing here. And Zacchaeus is moving. I'm telling you, this is real. We are really people. This is real people, right? And he says, he's so moved. He says, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. These are real people in real time. Jesus is accomplishing things here. He's changing the way even, even the, the system of this culture is moving about. And probably my second favorite story right here, John 11, chapter thir- uh, verse 35. Jesus weeps. Can I, can, if I haven't said this before, this is the creator. This is suppo- like, you, do you know that we look out and there's this vast universe and it's literally expanding. It's expanding so far that we can't even really see all of it out there. And we're supposed to be saying that this is that God who made all of that and he's looking at this earth and he comes here and he has friends and he's crying. He's crying with them. This is, this is strangely... It's just, it, it almost doesn't make sense. And he's crying with them. Why? Because his friend is dead. He has friends. This is, these are his friends and family around him, mourning the loss of Lazarus, who some of them are related to, and they're all friends in this community. And you know what? He doesn't stop there. You know what? He feels what he feels. And in real time, he's like, you know what? I have a divine purpose. I'm here to accomplish something. So what's he do? He goes to the tomb where Lazarus is at. He's been dead a few days, not just a little bit, not like maybe there's still a heartbeat. He's cold, dead, and gone, and it smells. They even said, are you sure? Should we roll this away? It's going to smell. That's the part I left out, but it's in there. <laughs> and, he, and he cries out, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth like a freaking, like a mummy, because he still has wrapping on. 
in the King James Version, it says, with napkin on his face. It, has, it, it, it refers to it as napkin. Okay. Okay, he accomplished things here. Again, I, I love the death and resurrection. It's, it means something. It's here to impart our hearts. But that's a key to unlock all the things already taking place. All right, so to not keep belaboring the point and to respect time, I'm going to ask just a couple more things. I'm going to say a couple more things. What does this mean for us? Because we have to. We can't just be here saying things without taking something away from it. What, what, does, it, what does this mean for us? It means that there's, I love this term, grandeur. There's a grandeur to how we live and how much mystery we pursue to unveil. My point of some of that stuff earlier is that because Jesus was doing it in real time, these are literally mysterious things unfolding in real time there. Each and every day, and, and really just as we reflect in our lives, there are mysteries that we continue to unveil naturally. Sometimes we don't even think of them as mysteries, but they are. What is this? What, are these, what, 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 what does this mean, right? Um, I, I want to say a lot here, but but not everything. There's a bit of there's a bit of mystery here in in how far we reach into the depths of lifestyle and interaction, and how much we pull forth magnificent love and kindness. How much how far we reach down into the depths and pull out grace and then some, and that we figure out how to pull out even more forgiveness, and then we're able to forgive more. Right? These are mysteries here. And if I haven't been clear, let me say, let me say it like this. My wife, Caitlin, like we've, we've been married six years now. We've been together just about eight years because we got married quick. We're like, we're like the small town couple that like just met and fell in love and was immediately married. Um, but in that time, it's like we know we love each other. I know I love my wife. Eight, six, six and a half years ago. I know I love my wife. That, loving her is a mystery. I don't know what that is. I have to go out and get that. I have to figure that out. Now, here's the thing. I don't have to. I don't have to. We can live husband and wife. We can be man and woman. I'm probably going to get uglier. My hair's going to grow out occasionally. And, and she might like me less and less just on face, face value, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but listen, it's a like, but what happens? What happens if I dig in deep, okay, and I pull out this mystery of what it's like to love her, not just love her in some type of way, but how she should, how she needs to be loved? What does that mean? Well, I don't know all those answers, but I'll tell you this. We have a son. What's that going to mean to him? What's that going to mean to the people around us, how we commune? I mean, what happens? I'd be willing to say that something's going to happen, right? Something big will happen, and this continues on. Like, how good of a friend am I going to be? That's a mystery. I don't know. I got to go in somewhere and pull that out. And you know what? I got to do that. And if I want to, I can do it in relation with my father, this creator we're talking about, with this Jesus who did accomplish, who did die, who is alive. And with this spirit, that's something we, we, we always subtly say to the side that we're supposed to have this divine creature inside of us. That's the whole point of the spirit thing, that we should live and live accomplished and go out and get something. And I guess that's what I'm saying. It's out here. And do we want it? And Jesus is out here saying, here's the key. Come get some, right? Come get it. 
And as for us, what, what do we want to do with that? Well, you know, I think that's the fun part. That's the fun part. And um, that's it, man. That's it. So, man, thank, thank you for your time, man. Let's, let's, let's pray, okay? Come get some. Come get some of this mystery. Lord, let us come get some of this love and this grace that you have for us. And let us go dig it out for each other. Let us find a bit of this unity that Paul says we're supposed to be in now, right? This unity of, of different peoples and these creeds of people here. That we come together and that we go and grab whatever this love is and this, this sacrificial purpose that, we're, that we have here, God. Impart our hearts and be kind to our minds and our thoughts on how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about others, Lord. Give us much grace and peace in that. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Thank you.